This is Instant Game Reaction, an immediate look back at the Colts' latest game. He's at the 10, he's at the 5, looking for the pylon, touchdown, Jonathan Taylor, a run of 23 yards to Pater. They'll walk it upfield, it's intercepted, picked off by the Colts, and it's Darius Leonard. Wentz throws upfield into the end zone, sack, Pascal, touchdown, touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Now, here's your host, J.J. Stankovitz from Colts.com. Hey everyone, welcome into another edition of Colts Instant Reaction here on the Colts Audio Network. I'm JJ Stankovic, joined by Colts Ring of Honor member Bill Brooks to dissect the Colts' 38-31 loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Week 12. And Bill, let's just get right into it. The Colts in this game, that there was a stretch of play between the 637 mark in the second quarter and the 1006 mark in the fourth quarter where Jonathan Taylor did not run the football. And this is getting a lot of attention, understandably so, because Jonathan Taylor is one of the best offensive weapons in the NFL. But I want to get your take on why Taylor did not get the ball there, and then I'll get into kind of what Frank Reich's explanation was for it after the game. But, Bill, you watching this game, knowing how good of a player Jonathan Taylor is, what's going through your mind when the Colts are throwing the ball as much as they were during that stretch? You know, during that stretch, um, part of the stretch, I understood it because you were in a two-minute situation at the end of the half. Yep. Um, so I could understand them throwing the ball, trying to get out of bounds, save your timeouts, uh, not let the time run off the clock, and move the ball down the field so you can get in a position to score, field goal, or touchdown. So I understand that in the second quarter. The third quarter, though, I, I have a little question. I, I was not sure why... You don't run the ball. Now, I'm not saying you need to run the ball 10 times or whatever. I think it was like 17 to 18 plays in the third quarter uh, in which the Colts passed the ball uh, 17, 18 times in a row. So I was wondering, like, you know, maybe run it once or twice or here here or there just to keep the defense honest, even though maybe uh, we weren't as successful running the ball as we wanted to be. But if you run the ball and keep them honest, maybe they can't tee off as much on the quarterback and uh, maybe it would open up some things more in the passing game. So that was the only thing I was questioning. Now, in saying that, um, I don't think that caused the Colts to lose the game as far as in regards to not running the ball during that time period. I would say the turnovers are the things that hurt the Colts the most in this game tonight. You know, when you have five turnovers um, and four of them led to, I think, 24 points by the Patriots. You just can't do that. To... <laughs> Bill, Bill, you said you said the Patriots. <laughs> I'm sorry, the Bucks, the Bucks. I'm sorry. Force a habit, uh, 20 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. Force a habit, seeing number 12 out there with the uh-huh. Patriots. Um, but with the Bucks, there, you can't do that to a Tom Brady team. Uh, he's gonna, you know, take advantage of those opportunities, and he did that today. And the Bucks did that today and took advantage of that op- uh, of their opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get we'll get into those turnovers um, because I think you're spot on that 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 is where the game flipped. The turnovers, the penalties on defense. Um, you know, you, you can't turn the ball over five times. You can't commit six penalties. Uh, two more than the Buccaneers had. By the way, Bill, teams that have five or more turnovers in a game since 2016 are two forty seven and one in those fifty <laughs> games. So you have about a four percent chance of winning if you turn the ball over five times in a game. And the Colts almost did. Um, But in that stretch, so that was 26 consecutive pass calls, but that's not, that doesn't tell the whole story because a lot of those were RPOs. Frank Reich said, you know, a bunch of those are RPOs. And on those plays, you're reading the box 
and the Buccaneers were loading up the box. They said, hey, we are not letting Jonathan Taylor beat us today. If you're going to beat us, it's going to be through the air. And for a good stretch of the game, the Colts were winning through the air. I mean, Carson Wentz at halftime had 197 yards, three touchdowns. His passer rating was through the roof. Things were looking really good. And even then, you know, those those two drives that resulted in turnovers in the third quarter, you know, the Colts get to the 20-yard line by passing the ball. Shaq Barrett comes flying off the edge, gets a strip sack. Bucks go down, score a touchdown on that after that turnover. Then the deep shot to Pittman, that's just a 50-50 ball that nine and a half times out of ten you expect Pittman to go make a play on or draw a flag. Um, maybe Antoine Winfield got away with a little pushing Pittman's back on that play. I uh, have to go back and look at that. But the the way that the, the game was flowing, where Taylor only had eight, yard, eight, eight carries for 25 yards at that point, Vita Veo was just just a mammoth in the middle of that defense there. The linebackers are flying around. Levante David is playing really well. I understand why Frank Wright called the game the way that he did in that situation. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, they, they were stacking the box and, and trying to stop the run and knowing how well Jonathan Taylor had ran the week before and just how good of a season he's having thus far this year. So they were, taking a page out of Bill Belichick's playbook, we're going to stop the thing that you do well mm-hmm. and make you beat us somewhere, uh, somehow else, so, uh, yeah. another way. That- so, and that's what they try to do. They try to make sure that, hey, if you guys are going to beat us, it's not going to be Jonathan Taylor. It's going to be you guys passing the ball and putting pressure on Pittman, T.Y., and Pascal and Doolin, and also the tight ends, Molly Cox and, and Jack Doyle and, and Granson, that they're going to have to come up with the plays to beat the Bucks, um, in, in that game, so we're not gonna let Jonathan Taylor beat us because we know he can beat us, but we're gonna see if you guys can beat us any other way. Yeah, you know the Buccaneers came into this game with the number one ranked run defense, allowing seventy eight yards per game. So you know they're, they're certainly good at this, and mm-hmm. the Colts knew that. And even if you you listen back to some of the things Frank Reich said leading into this game, you know Bill, he said. The, the Colts can't just win by giving the ball to Jonathan Taylor because in this league, if you're one-dimensional, even if you're really good at it, teams will find a way to stop it. And the Buccaneers came in looking for a way to stop that, and they're almost daring the Colts to throw. And, I mean, it, 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 it really almost worked, if not for a couple of turnovers that I don't think you totally put on Carson Wentz. You know, the... The, the interception to Pittman, again, that's a 50-50 ball. The strip sack, that's just a, a guy in Shaq Barrett making a great play off the edge. Um, the other turnovers were uh, Naheem Hines muffing the punt, Zach Pascal losing a fumble, and then at the end of the game, Carson throwing an interception to Pittman near the end zone. Um, you know, I think when, when we hear from Frank Reich, we're going to hear that Carson once graded out pretty well in this game. But ultimately... You can't turn the ball over as many times as the Colts did. And whether you're running the ball or passing the ball, you just, you can't, you can't win by doing that. Oh, right. You can't, you can't, the bottom line is the turnovers cost of the game. Um, you can say whatever you want about how many times you ran the ball or how many times you passed the ball. Whatever you're doing as far as running the ball or passing the ball or running screens or getting the ball to the backside of the backfield, throwing the ball deep down the field. You just can't turn the ball over. That's the bottom line. You can't give teams more opportunities to score 
and put your defense in those situations where, you know, they feel pressure to come up with the big plays to stop teams from uh, scoring touchdowns after the offense has turned the ball over. And give the defense credit uh, near the end of the game when the Colts did turn the ball over, the defense held the Bucks to three points and it gave them an opportunity to go down and tie the ball game up. Um, so give the defense credit for that. But you, you just can't turn the ball over regardless of, of what's going on during the game. And give the Bucks credit. During the stretch of the game, they didn't make the Colts one-dimensional. They made the Colts, they took away the run, and they made the Colts pass the ball uh, down the field. So uh, they did them, and they made them one-dimensional and said, hey, you guys have to beat us passing the ball with uh, the weapons you have as far as with Pittman and Pascal and T.Y. and those guys and the tight end. So um, let's see if you can do, us, do that and beat us by passing the ball. Yeah, Carson Wentz, this is per pro football focus. He had 12 dropbacks with uh, eight or more defenders in the box. He was 6 of 11 on those throws for 93 yards with three touchdowns. I mean, that's those are pretty good numbers for, uh, you know, for, again, saying the Buccaneers being like, you know what, okay, throw it on us. And Carson and, and Frank Reich said, yeah, we will. And went ahead and, and completed a lot of passes, made some good throws, good decisions, and that's that's really what you want to see in these situations is when teams dare the Colts to pass the ball, can they pass it? And I feel like I, it, it's just so hard to talk about this game, Bill, because when you look at so many plays of the 130 plays that there were in this game, so many of them were positive for the Colts, but the ones that weren't were just backbreakers. And that that's what you come back to with the turnovers, then on defense, you know, a couple of those pass interference penalties on Rocky Scene, TJ Carey, um, tough to overcome those against a team quarterback by Tom Brady. Yeah, you, you just it, it's tough when you help give Tom Brady good field position by uh, committing some penalties, some pass interference calls, and things like that. It's very tough to stop them, especially when, you know, they don't have a, a running game that is like the Colts with Jonathan Taylor, but... Fournette and Jones are good enough to go out there and make some big plays. Fournette has a nice play at the end of the game mm-hmm. to kind of score that touchdown with 20 seconds left to go in the game. So it's uh, their running game is good enough to get those guys into a position to win football games and have them leading their division right now. So um, they're a good football team. You have to give them a lot of credit. Now, the Colts did do some nice things today, as you were talking about earlier. Ashton Dillon's uh, touchdown for yeah. 62 yards, a nice play. I mean, that was that was something pretty to see that uh, Carson Wentz just laid out there, and Ashton Dillon got there and had a step on the defender and got the ball, and the safety made it one, one false step, and that's all it took for Ashton Dillon to get free down the, the middle of the field. And it was a pretty ball, and it's pretty to see that uh, Dillon catches it in stride and this waltzes right on into the end zone. So... A lot of nice things going on. I think uh, Doyle makes a nice catch on yeah. the third down on the sideline there to keep a drive alive. And, uh, of course, a nice touchdown catch there. So, you know, they did a lot of nice things, a lot of good things out there in the football field. Of course, Darius Leonard, again, creates another turnover. So there were a lot of good things out there on the football field. But the mistakes were big enough to cause the Colts to lose the game. And, unfortunately, Bill, we've talked about this a lot this season whether it was you know the the game against baltimore where you miss a couple field goals you struggle to cover a tight end and all of a sudden the ravens come back erase a double digit lead for by the colts and win 
or the Titans game where you get this big lead and then you have this terrible break go against you in the Taekwon Lewis interception turn fumble. And then, you know, you have some late turnovers. Titans come back and win this game. The, the, the turnovers, the penalties. And in those three games, the Colts, for the majority of those games, played really well. And talking to players after the game, Bill, I got the sense that they they know what they have. They know how good of a team they are. But they also know that, you know, that, uh, in one sense, they know that time is starting to run out on fixing these mistakes. On the other sense, they're not viewing it that way. They're not hitting the panic button. It still very much is that 1-0, 1-0 mentality that Frank Reich, you know, will, will lean on with his team in these situations. And... As we look ahead now, you know, the Colts are 6-6, six and six, got five games left. It's kind of a blessing that this is a 17-game season. Um, you know, I think it was Jack Doyle was even talking about after the game. He has to, like, recalibrate his brain. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, there's that extra game. We do have a little more time here. But this is a team that can score points on anyone. Their defense can take the ball away. If they clean up these mistakes, I mean, we're talking about one of the best teams in the NFL, if they, they just make the playoffs and clean up these mistakes, this is a real contender of a team, but they got to make the playoffs first. And to make the playoffs, they got to clean up these mistakes. Exactly. They have to clean up these mistakes. And, and the thing you were talking about is, no, they don't need to panic or feel too pressured about things, but they do need a sense of urgency as far as to make sure that they do clean up these mistakes. Because during this time of the year, and end of November and December, you want to play your best brand of football. You want to be hitting on all cylinders during this time. And part of that is not making mistakes that's going to hurt you, the turnovers, the penalties, that put you in bad positions that you're a bad position that you're going to have to have uh, worry about uh, making a big play uh, to stop a team from scoring a touchdown or, uh, like I said, turn the ball over and preventing you from scoring a touchdown and giving another team an opportunity to score a touchdown or score points. So you have to have a sense of urgency of, hey, we have to stop beating ourselves. That's what we need to do. If we if we put ourselves in better positions uh, to win these fo ball games, football games, we'll be doing okay. We'll have a great shot of getting to the playoffs. And like I said earlier, and I've told other people, just get to the playoffs. Just get in. Just get your foot in the door. That's all you want right now. Being six and six, you know, you have some games left. You have five games left to try to get a shot to get in the playoffs. You, got, you might need a little bit of help with teams losing. Uh, but just take care of your business. And if you clean up some of those mistakes and have a sense of urgency about uh, playing better football during this stretch of football games, you have a good opportunity to get in the playoffs. And then once you get in, Anything could happen because AFC to me is wide open. There's not really one team that's over the course of the season thus far has been the team that's dominant in the AFC. I call it having the flavor of the week. One team, one week is, you know, it's the New England Patriots playing well. One week is the Buffalo Bills. One week is the Tennessee Titans. But all those teams have struggled at one time or another during the season. So you don't know what team is going to get hot. If you can get hot at the right time, get in the playoffs and get hot at the right time, you can find yourself playing for the AFC Championship or playing for the Super Bowl. Bill, have you ever been a part of a team like this, like the Colts, where you just feel like you're so close, but it, it hasn't quite come together in these close games? Because I, I know the win over the Bills last week, one of the best wins we've seen here in Indianapolis in a really long time. But 
in these close games, the Colts are now they, they're now they have four losses in one score games to the Rams, the Ravens, the Titans, and the Bucks. So four really good teams where you just feel like in those close games you can't get over that hump, but you know how good you are. Um I think I don't I don't know if I ever played for a team like that. I think the closest it would have been when I played for the Washington football team, I think at one year, at one point we got off to a very hot start hot hot start. And we were doing well, and uh, all of a sudden, in the second half of the season, we just faltered. We couldn't do anything. I would say that that's the closest I've been to anything mm-hmm. like that. But uh, it, it, it has to be frustrating knowing that you're maybe one, two, three, four plays away uh, from winning these games. You know, like I said, the one-score games, and uh, you never know when you're playing these games which play is going to be the key play to turn the game around. Uh, coach always told me that. He said, that's why you have to play every play like it's the most important play. You never know which play it's going to be. It, it could be a play in the second quarter. It could be a play in the fourth quarter. It could be a play in the first quarter. But you have to play every play like it's the most important play. And when you have a mistake by one person, then you have a mistake by another guy on, his, on the same side of the ball. Say it's, say it's on the offense. You have a mistake by one person. Well, that cost you maybe getting a first down or uh, keeping a drive alive or, you know, maybe someone jumps offside or maybe someone holds or whatever. You know, those mistakes can add up eventually by the end of the game and could cost you a game. So that's why it's so important for the guys to have a little sense of urgency that, hey, you know what, we have to clean up these mistakes so we can make sure by the end of the game we have this game in hand and we can get the win. Um, in that game that night or that day and just do the right thing throughout the game to have give us an easier chance to win the game uh, so we can come out with a victory. This surprised me, Bill, as I was poking around on some stats from this game. D- did you realize the Buccaneers were 2 of 8 on third down? No, I did not. I, I, right? I mean, <laughs> you, you go really? through this game and you think, man, you know, the, like that offense, they were clicking – they were doing a lot of good things. And then you look at that, and you're like, well, wait a minute. I mean, the Colts' defense did get after the Bucks when they got into third down. You know, they got some pressure on Tom Brady. Guys like Taylor Stallworth are in his face. DeForest Buckner, even though he had that injury, had a really good game. Uh, they, they got they, – they did a lot of good – this is, again, the, the Colts' defense did a lot of really good things in this game. We talked about Darius Leonard, another peanut punch, another maniac knockout. I should say uh, Isaiah Rogers tracking that interception like he's a wide receiver was a great play. The, you know, yeah, Rob Gronkowski and Leonard Fournette both had big games, but this defense on a whole did a lot of good things to go win a football game and just didn't. I, it's like it it's almost stupefying to talk about this when you look at some of the numbers and you think about how the Colts played on a play to play basis and then. You know, yeah, the, the penalty on Rocky scene, I think, was 37 yards. Um, by the way, did, you're a former wide receiver, but on those, the, the, the two PIs, the one that was called on Rock, the one that was called on TJ, did you see enough for PI on those plays? TJ, no. I don't think it was PI. Okay. Rock, I did. He Rock grabbed his jersey. Yeah. Rock did grab his jersey and hold on to his jersey. So in that case, I mean, they, they can call that as, uh, as P.I., depending on where the referee was and what he saw. So I, on a replay, um, 
at first I didn't think it was pat, pass interference, but after I saw the replay, um, I saw Rock grabbing his jersey, and mm -hmm. that was P.I., but T.J., no. I didn't think yeah. that was pass interference at all. Not at all. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you think about just how different things might look if the Buccaneers don't score a touchdown there. They get a field goal. Just to, you know, maybe the Buccaneers still win. It's just a different complexion of the game. Um, but ultimately, again, it goes back to the turnovers and the Buccaneers scoring those 24 points off of the four turnovers that they were able to score off of. And I don't, I don't want to harp on it too much more because we've, we've kind of hit on it a lot, but... Um, the Colts have played a lot of really clean games this year. They're, they led the NFL in turnover differential entering this game, and this was one of those games where it just it didn't go their way. And to still only lose by seven, and to have Isaiah Rodgers take that kick, I mean, almost, almost take it back for a game-tying touchdown, which, you know, if that would have happened, I mean, Leonard Fournette should have gone down. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, but you know for for that to happen and for the Colts to have that shot at the end zone to end the game that does tell you something about how resilient this team is that even in the face of just a, a mountain of mistakes and calamities this team still finds ways to be competitive and Maybe one of these games, if, if these mistakes happen, they will overcome them and they will make a push to, you know, move past a turnover, get a stop, not commit a penalty. Just the little things like that that then become big things over the course of a game. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it does. I mean, and like you talked earlier, uh, the Colts defense played well. I mean, if you look at the beginning of the game, Bucks first possession, three and out. The next possession, the Bucks turned the ball over. Uh, that's the Dennis Leonard. I mean, Darius the Darius Leonard, Leonard uh, punch, yeah. yeah. The next time they get the ball, three and out. Mm -hmm. The next time they get the ball, uh, three, three and, and out. out. Yeah, and then uh, the Colts uh, turn the ball over, and then that's when the Bucks score their first touchdown right there and score seven points. And then after that, the Bucks turn the ball over again. So, I mean, if you look at the, the defense, the defense did a nice job as far as the beginning of the game, uh, making the Bucks go three and out, giving something uh, to Tom Brady to confuse him a little bit out there while he was on offense. And then, you know, they just kind of shut down the Bucks for first couple of drives. Now things change later on. But the defense did a lot of nice things out there. And if they continue to, to play, you know, they, they're still getting their turnovers, creating turnovers every game. Um, just the Colts got to not turn the ball over. And this is the first game, if you really look at it, outside of the Tennessee game, where the Colts really turned the ball over a lot, right. uh, the five times. So outside of this game and the Tennessee game, the Colts have done a pretty good job of, of holding on to the ball and, and securing the ball uh, throughout the game. All right, one more thing for you, Bill, before we get out of here. Uh, Robert Mathis getting inducted into the Colts Ring of Honor. You are a Colts Ring of Honor member Seeing Robert with that ceremony, you know, it's, it was really cool with him and Dwight Freeney up on the same stage again. Um, you know what it's like to be inducted into the Colts Ring of Honor. What what, what was going through your mind watching Robert Mathis, uh, you know, get his blue jacket and get his name honored among Colts legends? It's well-deserved. I mean, he deserves it. I mean, for an individual to 
caused that much havoc <laughs> to quarterbacks and defensive linemen and offensive coordinators figuring out how they're going to stop both uh, Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney out there in the football field. It's, it's something that's well-deserved. Uh, it's great seeing all the other guys that were there that came to support him, uh, getting inducted into the Ring of Honor. It's great to have Dwight Freeney up there with him, his, his partner in crime, so to speak, out there, uh, which created all those sacks and strip sacks. And, and it's great to see him uh, having opportunity, not opportunity, but being uh, a semifinalist for Hall of Fame as mm -hmm. well. So it's, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's great for Robert. He deserves it. Uh, I remember him coming into the uh, team. He's, he's a quiet young man. He didn't say much. Uh, had a had a, like an evil look to him though. But he was a, <laughs> he, but he was a, he's a nice gentleman. Just a very nice guy. But had an evil look to him. But was just a great guy. Someone that wanted to do well. He just wanted to do well. He worked so hard uh, during the season, during the season, during the off season. Uh, got with Dwight Freeney and those guys just changed the National Football League. Really, I mean, the strip sack was something that you know it, it was out there, but those guys just took it to a next level. Especially Robert, and I'm just so happy for him, and it's well deserved, and he definitely deserves to be uh, in the Ring of Honor. All right, well, hey, that's great stuff, Bill. You can subscribe to us here on the Colts Audio Network for every single podcast that we have. We're going to have a new episode of the Colts official podcast coming out on Tuesday. Inside Football with Rick Venturi will be back on Wednesday. Know Your Foe with Bill Brooks and Casey Vallier back on Thursday, previewing Colts at Texans, the last game before the Colts finally get their bye week in week 14. You can follow me on Twitter at JJ Stankovitz. Again, please rate, review, and subscribe to the Colts Audio Network. Drop us a rating and a review. It really helps get all of our podcasts into more ears as the season hits December crunch time is officially underway for the Indianapolis Colts at six and six after their 38 31 loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday. Anyways, for Bill Brooks, I'm JJ Stankovitz. We'll talk to you next time here on the next edition of Colts instant reaction on the Colts audio network.